You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. Earlier this year, my grandfather passed away. It was uh, before all the the craziness of COVID. Um, But the last few years of his life, he had uh, just a lot of difficult health things going on. And and so every time I would go down to visit him, um, I knew that this was nearing the end. And, and at, he, he had a sense of that as well, that this was nearing the end and this could be, every time I, I would visit him, this could be the last time I would see him. And so here in, in, in 2 Timothy, as we've been reading, we see Paul nearing the end of his life and, and he knows it, he feels it. And, and he's exhorting Timothy in these things that he he wants Timothy to make sure to remember. Paul touches on on some themes and and hits on some things that he wants Timothy to be reminded of. And so the outline this morning will be just simple. Remember Jesus, the word of God is not bound, and endure everything. Everything. Remember Jesus, the word of God is not bound and endure everything. Will you pray with me again? Father, grant me mercy in my communication. May your word go forth. May your purposes stand. And may you receive all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so remember Jesus, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. So, so Paul says to remember Jesus as preached in my gospel, and he gives these two descriptions that I, we, we got to be aware of. The first is that he is risen from the dead, and the second is that he is the offspring of David. And so those two things are actually answers to two of the most important questions anybody can ask themselves. So, so two of the most important questions that, that everyone should ask themselves in their life is who is Jesus and what did Jesus do? And Paul gives us two answers here. And, and before we just jump into that, I just want to just, when Paul says remember Jesus, when we read, remember Jesus, we need to realize this is a specific Jesus. Like sometimes people might say, I like Jesus, but not Paul. Or like I really pay attention to what the words Jesus says, like the the red letters, and almost like there's an off balance, like the red letters uh, are more important than other parts of scripture. But but that's not how we, we think about Jesus and how we think about God's word. Later on in 2 Timothy, Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So, so you cannot separate Jesus from the Bible. Jesus is not made in, in our imagination, and, and, and we can't just make him up in how we want to think of him. Jesus is a, a real person in the scriptures, God's word reveals who he is. And so that's one of the things that Paul mentions. He's revealed as the offspring of David. And so ever since, excuse me, ever since Genesis, 
we see that there was this prophecy. We see that, that there would be an offspring of Eve that would be the promised one that would bruise the head of the serpent. This was after sin entered the world. Later on, we see in 2 Samuel, Nathan the prophet actually looks at David and says, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Later on, another prophecy in, in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold, uphold it with justice and with righteousness. So we, we're starting to see this pattern of the offspring of David, that there's one who is promised in the scriptures. <coughs> Later in, in the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, 30-33, the angel Gabriel visits Mary, and this is what he tells her. He says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Jesus has been prophesied from the beginning of our history as, as just even as humanity, as the, the chosen one. He is the offspring of David, and he is the promised Messiah who will bring peace. So people, during the time when Jesus was around, when you're looking at the Gospels, people were expecting the Messiah, and, and they were expecting him to be from the offspring of David. And one of the ways people showed faith in Jesus is by acknowledging that he was the son of David. Uh, there's so many examples. One example would be in, in Luke 18, the, the story of the blind man. And, and it's one of my favorite stories. It, basically, J Jesus and, and his followers are, are, are going to Jericho. And, and it says that there's a, a blind man um, sitting by the roadside and, and he's begging and he just, he hears a commotion, he hears a crowd go, uh, crowds going by, and he's asking, like, what, what's going on? And, and somebody mentions, it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he, he cries out. He, he hears that. He must have either heard something about Jesus or, 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 or something. He, he knew the name, and, and he starts crying out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and, and he's being really loud, and I guess it's, it's disruptive. People are trying to silence him. People are, 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 are trying to stop him. They're, they're telling him to, to be quiet. And, and, and the thing is, like, man, when you're desperate for Jesus, I, I don't know if you guys remember being desperate for Jesus. Maybe you're desperate now. At, at one point in your life, if you've trusted in Jesus, like, there was a point where you were desperate for Jesus, the blind man here was desperate. He was desperate for Jesus. He, he didn't care that he was making a fool of himself. He, he, he didn't care 
what people thought of him. He, he continued, he, he cries out, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and, and they continue to try to rebuke him, but, but Jesus hears him and he says, who is that? Bring him to me. The blind man goes to Jesus and we know he's saying, he's calling him the son of David. Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And, and, and the blind man says, let me, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus says, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And it says he immediately recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. Who, who is Jesus He's the son of David, the offspring of David, the promised one. What did Jesus do? Paul just simply describes it as risen from the dead. This is describing his death on the cross for our sins and, and his resurrection. And we're going to touch more on that at the end, but I just want to uh, uh, just mention, like, if Paul has to tell Timothy to remember Jesus, to remember the gospel, how much more do we need to be reminded of that? How, how much more do we need to be reminded of, of who Jesus is and, and what he has done for us? How much more do, do we need to remind each other and, and, and continue to, to call on each other to remember Jesus? Moving on in, into verse 9. So, so Paul's saying that, that he was, as, as he was preaching the gospel, he, he is suffering because of that. So he says, I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. So Paul is directly suffering for preaching the gospel. He is suffering for Jesus. And, and Paul makes this, this fascinating point that that even though he is physically bound, the word of God is not bound. The word of God cannot be bound. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is not bound. I have a, a, a pastor friend of mine who, who uh, found the Lord when he was in prison. He was in, in a maximum security prison for drug trafficking. And, and he tells a story about how it, it was just him and, and a Bible. And so he's reading it, and, and, and God is revealing stuff to him. Like he's starting to, like things are, are, are coming alive. He's, he's, he's learning realities about who God is. And, and, and the way he tells the story, he says, in that maximum security prison, there was no way I was going to get out. But at the same time, there was no way the Spirit of God was not going to get in. He says it, like when you hear it, you're like, oh my goodness. Like, like there was no way he was getting out, but there was no way that the Spirit of God was not going to get in. As he's reading the word and just there, 
Listen, the word of God is not bound. We, we see this all throughout Acts. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. He, he, he helped me with, with some of these verses. Uh, uh, we just see this all throughout Acts, that, that the word just increases. Acts 6 through 7, the word of God continued to increase. Acts 12 to 24, Acts 12 and 24. The word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 13, 49, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Acts 19, 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. The the word of God is not bound. Brothers and sisters, you you can be, you can rest assured and, and, and have your confidence not in your wisdom not, not in, in how eloquent you are. You can just rest assured that, that the word of God cannot be bound. And so know the word. Speak the word. First Peter 1.23-25 says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, but, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The word of God is not bound. Paul continues in, in verse 10. He says, Therefore, I endure everything. For the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So here Paul is talking about how how he endures everything for for the sake of the elect. The elect are are those that that God has chosen before the foundations of the world. And, and, And so Paul, it says, because the word of God is not bound... Paul endures everything. That's why that therefore is there. We, we, we look bad. The word of God is not bound. So Paul endures everything for the sake of the elect. Why? So that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he endures everything. I want to just take a look at, at just a very small aspect of enduring that I think is important. And, and that's discernment. So part of Enduring is, is having discernment. The discernment is, is something that helps us not just in our own lives, but in, in broader society and even just in our hearts. Like discernment is so important. Charles Spurgeon once said that, that discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. And so as Christians, we know that there is more than meets the eye, that there's a, a, a spiritual behind the physical, that there's, there's more underneath the surface of things. Um, a lot of people consider Mount Everest the tallest mountain in the world. But, but did you know that actually, and, and it is the highest point above sea level, but did you know that actually measured from, the, from its base to its summit, Mount Everest is not the tallest in the world. That would actually be Mauna Kea in Hawaii. It is actually the tallest mountain in the, in the world when measured from its base to its summit. But this is the thing. Most of it is underwater. It is underneath the surface. Listen, today, 
Every day we are being discipled. We're, we're being discipled by something. We're, we're becoming more and more what we set our, our minds and, and hearts on. And so there's a, a, a surface level to our everyday lives. But, but God wants our hearts and minds at a spiritual level. He wants us to, to see the world and, and our daily interactions and, and everything we do at, at a, a spiritual level, not just at a, a physical level. 2 Timothy 4.3, we'll go, go this, somebody will be preaching on this later, but I'm going to just touch on it. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. By having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That's why in 1 John it says, brothers, test the spirits. Beloved, test the spirits. For many false prophets have gone out in the world. There's this idea of, of of just because on, at its surface something seems okay, we're supposed to still test the spirits, judge everything by the word of God. Colossians 2, 6-8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, kind of this, a similar thing, but from a different angle. For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. Now, flesh here is not talking about the sinful nature, saying for though we walk physically, we're walking in, in physical bodies, we, don't, <clears throat> we do not wage war in physical ways. The, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We endure everything by fighting. Either we will be on our heels and, and be, tape, be taken captive, like it says in Colossians. <clears throat> or we will be on offense and take captive everything that is against the knowledge of God, including our own thoughts. There's a war going on. Endure everything. This is a war. Uh, a young rapper from Queens, New York, back in the day, he, he, he started off a, a famous song by saying, there's a war going on outside. No man is safe from. You can run, but you can't hide forever. And, and, and there was spiritual undertones in it, but, but he was talking about the, the reality of, of, of being on the streets. But listen, it doesn't matter if you're from the Queensbridge Projects in Queens, New York, or if you're from a rich suburb like Edina. It doesn't matter if, if, if you're from the inner city or if, if you're in the country on a farm somewhere. We are living in a war. There's a war going on even right now right here there's a, a, a war going on in our, our minds and in our hearts this service right now this is an act of war we are in a war against Satan and demonic forces Anywhere where the name of Jesus is proclaimed 
in spirit and in truth is a place where the war is being engaged. Anywhere where, where the name of Jesus is, is being worshipped, warfare is happening. There, there's a war going on. And one of the ways we fight is singing. One of the ways we fight is praying. Worship is warfare. Remember 2 Corinthians 10, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but our weapons have divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds in life and in society. We wage war and, and destroy strongholds by preaching the word. We wage war and destroy strongholds by confessing our sin and taking communion every week. There is a, a war going on. We wage war and destroy strongholds by taking our thoughts captive to obey Christ. We wage war and destroy strongholds by abounding in thanksgiving and joy. Loving your neighbor is warfare. Loving your enemy is warfare. Loving your spouse and raising your children in the Lord is warfare. Feeding the hungry and taking care of the widow and orphan is warfare. And having discernment and not being taken captive by any worldly philosophy is warfare. Paul in Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 11 says, Be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Patience with joy is warfare because we endure everything for the sake of the elect, for the sake of our brothers and sisters whom, whom God has chosen. And we can endure everything knowing that it's not depended on us. Christ has won the victory. We can rest in him and have joy even in our enduring. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And, and that's how Paul sees it. He says that he endures everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's why he can say in, in Romans 8, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Endure everything, saint. Brothers and sisters, endure everything. 
moving on to verses 11 and 13 in, in what appears to be like an early doctrinal creed or, or, or a hymn that was in circulation. Uh, uh, Paul basically just, just affirms its reliability. He says, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And here, Paul is just reminding us, even through the, this passage, through these verses of the realities of the cross, the realities of our, our union with Jesus, that, that if we die to ourselves and follow Jesus in the newness of life by identifying with him, that, that we will live with him. Romans 6.5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And the promise is that if we endure, we will reign with him. But if we deny him, if we are faithless, he will deny us. But the thing is, even if somebody denies Jesus, Jesus still remains trustworthy. He still remains faithful because he is trustworthy and faithful within himself and to himself and to his purposes. Which leads us to the table. At the table, we are reminded of Jesus and the truth that he was risen. He is risen from the dead. Jesus lived the, the, the perfect life that we could not live. He, he went to the cross willingly. He, he took our sin upon himself and, and received the wrath and justice of God that, that we rightfully deserved. And, and Jesus died. The, the author of life died. Death could not hold him. The, the grave could not hold him. Death could not defeat him. He is risen. He is risen. He has the victory. And he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, vindicated by God and for God. And so now, we can actually be reconciled to Jesus, to God, by Jesus' blood on the cross. Listen, there is no amount of good things or religious rituals we can do to earn God's love. We just, we, we receive it. We repent of our sins. We, we, we turn away from ourselves and we put our whole trust in God. We remind ourselves of his great love no matter what we are going through. That no matter where we're at, even in the midst of uncertainty and, and, and brokenness, we remind ourselves that he has paid it all. That in Jesus, he is for us and he is with us. That, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That, that there is nothing in this life, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demonic forces, nor, nor things present, nor things to come, nor 
powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you pray with me? God, you are so good and merciful. You know our brokenness and our sin, and and, and you still call us and, and call all who are weary and burdened to find true rest in you. Help us to remember and feel the gospel in our everyday lives. Help us to remember Jesus. Help us to to remember that, that your word is not bound. Help us by your strength to endure everything and anything. There's so much that is fighting for our attention and, and fighting for our time and energy. And none of it will give us the rest and satisfaction that we have in you. Oh, loving your Father, your word says that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that you do not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. You say that that as high as the heavens are above the earth, that is how great your steadfast love is towards those who fear you. That as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you remove our transgressions from us. And that as a father shows compassion to his children, so you show compassion to us. Father, thank you for your son's blood on our behalf. Thank you for the spirit that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask the the pastors to come up. If you are trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone, who he is and what he has done for your salvation, we invite you to eat and drink with us. Jesus ate the bread of despair and death so we can eat the bread of life. Jesus drank the cup of God's justice so we can drink the cup of God's peace. His body and blood are the true drink. Let us serve you.